Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. For this episode, I sat down with Columbus musician Counterfeit Madison to talk about her upcoming show, Counterfeit Madison Meets Nina Simone, A Celebration of Blackness. We also had the opportunity to listen to some of her music, some of Nina's music. We also talk about how the show came to be, how Counterfeit Madison came to be, the Columbus music scene at large, and some other things around town that you should be checking out. We start today's episode with a track from Counterfeit Madison's 2013 album, Open and Shut. The song is Don't Cry Wolf. Enjoy. Don't be my name 
I'm sitting down here with Counterfeit Madison, also known as Sharon. I may call her Sharon at some point during this interview. <laughs> Sharon has put together a performance yeah. entitled Counterfeit Madison meets Nina Simone. An exploration? A celebration. A celebration of blackness. Yes, it definitely has. First of all, the show at this point is sold out, but we're going to talk about some other things. But I want to talk. Do you hear that sigh? That's how I feel about a sold out show. Is that a sigh of relaxation? No, it's a sigh of annoyance. Okay. Like I want... How many seats is that? 200. Yeah. But they'll be giving out standing room tickets once everybody's sort of admitted. So yes. it's like you are die hard and want to go to this yeah. show. You should come. There might, you know, there might be some people. I don't know. I don't, I've never done a note, a show at notes before. So I don't know. I don't know what it's like. It's, it's a beautiful space. I, yeah, I, I really like it. And I, when my friend, Sheila told me about notes. I was just like, okay, I'll go see it. And then I was like, this is so great. Well, they did a really good job of, first of all, creating an environment that feels great for the audience, but also, from my understanding at least, they didn't spare any expense on sort of what the musicians need in order to facilitate a good show. Yeah. The show is August 13th. That's my birthday, yeah. We will be playing some selections of your music and Nina Simone's music throughout the show today if that's okay with you yes fantastic talk about the inspiration for the show why are you doing what may not be entirely but what i would perceive as a cover show yes of nina simone yes. it is entirely nina simone it is entirely nina simone and for those people who are who have played music with me for many years this was a surprise to some people because I hate being compared to other people. I am my own unique snowflake of a alien human being. And so people compare me to Nina a lot, um, especially when um, I officially started at Counter for Madison a few years ago. And I was just like, I'm not Nina, I'm Sharon. Hello, that is Nina, I'm Sharon. But And so what are the comparisons that they make? The black female identifying piano player. Okay. Which is which is great. I it the problem was not them. It was that me. I don't I I I didn't like being compared. I don't think they were insulting me. I think they were complimenting me. Right. But there was so then on Netflix there was a documentary that came out that was so beautiful, gripping called What Happened Miss Simone and it really charts um, the extent to which uh, she changed over time, like how how she beca- started out playing classical piano and she wanted to be a black female classical pianist and then found her way into jazz by playing in clubs and all, all of a sudden she started singing. Because um, someone asked her to. Yeah. Okay. And then like just into the black power movement and then into dealing with uh, being bipolar, which was a relatively unresearched uh, condition at the time. And so like and her friends just supporting her the entire way and her complicated relationship with the daughter. It was just really comprehensive. You got to see this troubled soul because of her genius, kind of like when you watch um, um people like a Kurt Cobain or Ray Charles like they're just so genius and there's so much in there and then they but that it's troubled them to an extent as well yes and we will link to uh the documentary on Netflix so, in, in the show notes so good but then somebody came out with a movie a biopic of Nina Simone and it starred Zoe Zaldana who is, yeah, she's a fine actress, it's great. But 
they colored her with dark makeup. She is a, to be clear, she's a black woman. She's a black woman. But, but they colored her with dark not, makeup. Okay. And then put a prosthetic nose on her. And I. Which is essentially blackface. Yes. Even though she's black. I know. Woman. Okay. And so it's like, the thing is that like within, so it's so intense. It's so intense and so complicated because in the black community, there is something called colorism. Okay. I'm going to be vulgar for a second. Back in the slave days, the people came from Africa. They were pretty dark. Then there were some that rose up the ranks because they had sex with white people. And those were the lighter skinned people that were the house niggas. So they got to come and be inside the house. And so there's just always this this idea of like lighter being more beautiful, lighter skin tones, sharper nose features that are like those of white people because of the genetic mixing are more attractive than someone like Nina who was dark and who had a broad nose and very African pronounced features. So in the black community, this caused an uproar because Nina, who was a very dark black woman. A dark black woman wasn't even asked to play a dark black woman. On top of the blackface business, Mm -hmm. it paints her as this crazy ass lady. Okay. Who just drank and drank and threw tantrums and... Well, let's stick to the race issue for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Let's say Zoe Saldana, they had her do it not... In darker makeup, yeah. not with a nose prosthetic, that would have been fine with you. That would have been fine, but also would have been annoying because she doesn't look like Nina. Like okay. there are, there are, you know, Oscar so white. All these, there's all these opportunities. All, I'm sure that if you, I tell people, if you sit on a corner in New York, in Brooklyn, Bed Stuy. Let's be, even be more specific. Okay, if she sat on a corner for like six hours, you would find people who could do that role better than she can. The only reason Cynthia Mort, who is the director, chose to do it, this white lady, Latina, whatever, chose to do it because it was a money-making scheme, and she didn't wish to tell the true story of Nina. She just wanted to make money. Well, and wanted to to complete the task that was assigned to her by the studio. Yes. Okay. I mean, you have issues with the portrayal as as in total. In total. Okay. But especially... As a black person who is dark, it's like, yo, like colorism is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And you cast someone whose name is popular just because she's lighter. It's like she could have cast Uzo Adoba from Orange is the New Black. She could have cast Leslie Jones from Ghostbusters. She could have cast Viola Davis. She could have cast Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey could do anything. She could have fake played the piano. Like they could have cast anybody and they did it so that film is shit yeah the documentary is fantastic yes what was your inspiration for this show so after the zoe saldana show came out i was just like i am right here they could have asked me i could play nina simone in a biopic i'm gonna do nina simone show okay and so when you do it you're going to be doing, I mean, it's primarily, you know, the music. Yeah. And I assume you'll do, be doing some speaking. I'll do some speaking. Will it be in character? Or some, is that the intention? No. Okay. So, so that's the so, counterfeit Madison meets Nina. Yes. Simone. Okay. Who else is involved with the show? I assume you have a backing band. So I have a backing band. It's um, the counterfeit Madison's backing band, um, and including a trumpet p- player named Kyle Curley. Uh 
And, and who else is in the band? Uh, Seth Daly is a drummer. And Trent Sampson is a bass player. And Alex Paquette on guitar. And Alex Fergoyne on saxophone. Fantastic. And they're all white males. Do you think Nina's- it provides a, a stark... Uh, difference for the audience like the audience notices it it does but also Nina played with some white people who really stood by her side the whole time okay if we're talking about change that needs to be made in America like racially it's not it can't be up to us only so I understand I think the impetus for the show now so what's the motivation for it so the motivation for the show was first first and foremost to show the world that in many different pockets of the country also in Lil Columbus Ohio There is a woman who can cover Nina Simone better than Zoe Zaldana can. Then as time progressed and Trump had his rise and as police shootings began to really um, take the forefront of the news and the Black Lives Matter Matter movement, I couldn't help but notice how the universe put me in this place to play – this black, defiant, vulnerable protest music with tons of historical weight. It was incredibly healing. This seems like a good moment to play a Nina Simone song. Yeah. What song should we play? You should play either Baltimore. Actually, that was the recommendation I was going to make. Yeah. So this is Baltimore. On a marble stand Trying to find the ocean Looking everywhere
What can people expect sort of from the experience, beyond the music? What do you plan interstitially between the songs? Um, well... Or is it that planned out? Is it just like, I've, you know, trained and done, learned these songs and, and whatever happens, happens? Well, so part of the pr- part of the process of this whole thing is Nina was unabashedly herself. She went through many different moments of the Black Power Movement and she left, she went to Northern Africa, and then she went to Paris. So in the later part of her life, she developed this sort of accent that I... This affectation. This affectation. At the end of a, um, this jazz festival, she says, um, um, I don't want to let you go so soon and so embarrassingly soft. And that, while I consulted Nina Jesus, and I was just like, okay, Nina Jesus, what do I do? Do I want to, where does Nina Simone end? Where does Counterfeit Madison begin? And I determined that Nina would provide the musical material and the foundation, and then Counterfeit Madison would take the rest. So I... And to be clear, Counterfeit Madison is your stage persona. Yes, yeah. Talk about Counterfeit Madison. Counterfeit Madison is the embodiment of true, true emotion. That is what Counterfeit Madison is. Your true, true emotion. My true, true emotion. So basically, so like breaks it, down barriers and sort of lets lets it out. It's like, it is like an... Counterfeit Madison is an exercise in, in musical vulnerability. Okay. I mean, that sounds so like sophisticated, but what I'm, I'm saying that because there's sometimes where that turns into yelling it turns into rolling on the floor sometimes it is uh deep and dark and sad and sometimes it is lonely and sometimes it's cold and sometimes it's the epitome of warmth and friendliness and like it's all of those things and i am a very versatile musician and so i have still not been able to really find a genre for what counterfeit Madison is. But I do know that one thing is consistent, that everyone leaves the counterfeit Madison show feeling more deeply than they did before. Whatever feelings they have, they're feeling it more deeply. One of the reasons why I like speaking with you is you tend to have an answer for everything, even though answers to questions that I truly don't know the answer to. And a lot of times people would be like, oh, just get up there and sing. And this is what I do. But you have seemingly, unless you're like the best bullshit artist that is that is out there, <laughs> you've seemingly thought it through. No, 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 no. 
it's not that I've thought it through. It's that like the concepts of counterfeit Madison are very, very simple. Okay. I just am, you know, but is that what you set out to do in the beginning? I said, or was it just like, I'm getting a band together. That's for myself. Then we came up with a name. So what happened was I was playing with other bands in town and my friend, Joe Camerlengo said, Hey, of if this you, is my suitcase. Of this is my suitcase and Van Dale and Mary Lynn and Blanket Boys. He sat me down and he said, if you don't make an album, I, I mean, I, you just have to make an album. And he was like, I will make your album. And so it was basically, I've only been writing songs for a few years now, um, only 10 years. And so there were these songs from 2006 to 2013 was when, wow, I'm so new. Counter Madison is so new. I had just brought out some of my favorite songs that I'd written in that time okay. that were unrecorded, and we recorded them. And I played a show three years ago on my birthday at Garden Theater. I was just like, oh, this is, I like playing by myself. It's something happened in that time when I was practicing these songs and realizing that I was changing from this really scared, religious, oppressed person who was uh, ashamed of her blackness to someone who was genuine and uh, honest and truly deeply loving. We'll talk about your background in just a second, but was it getting up on stage that allowed you to do that or was it something else? To this day, I don't know what happened but I remember being grew, on that you, stage you, you grew or I remember yeah I think there was like this path that I was walking becoming this artist and I remember that's that's stage from that day forward like I've never I don't ever remember going back to how I used to be and yes I'm still scared and yes I'm not always honest but I mean, I'm 35 and I hope to live until I'm like 80. And so I'm going to keep working on being the most genuine person I could possibly can be. Because it's a waste of time to do anything else. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I mean, you know, I feel I don't know why other people make music. I think I, I, I think that there are many different ways to make music. But my reason for making music is because it's the most natural thing that I do. Well, and I think it, what you're getting at is it's what fixes you. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay. Oh, definitely. I, I should, you know, I should not be as well adjusted as I am. Let's talk about your background. Yeah. A little bit, I've had, a, I've had a lot of religious damage. Okay. Your family is from Nigeria. I was born here in C- Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati. When they came to America, my mom found God. Okay. And I found God with her in this church that did a number on me. Okay. How um, old were you? I was six when I started going, and I okay. played the piano there. What denomination? Pentecostal is the closest American denomination. Okay. But um, other Pentecostal churches that I know, there's, you know, there's tongues, and there's miracles, and sweating, and rolling around, and all that, but this was compounded with the fact that this church was started in India, okay. and so it had a whole bunch of cultural implications also, so there's just like, there's like the Christian modesty and the cultural modesty, and okay. I grew into a person who was very concerned only with the afterlife, so as a child of the 80s, there's just a lot of things that I missed okay um from a cultural standpoint because my parents were not born here and then from a religious standpoint because I couldn't engage in anything I remember I remember seeing um Madonna's like a prayer video okay and I don't know 
if you remember it, but there's a statue in it. That, there's the black man behind yeah. the. It's like a fence. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like turn like there's a moment where it turns from like living to uh, stationary statue like. Right. And. I cried so hard to Jesus that night when I had seen that because I was just like, I sinned. I watched a movie uh, Because you watched that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So my dad was not religious. And so we had a TV in our home. And every once in a while, my sister, my older sister, who was not like as like caught up in it as I was because I played music in the church. So every once in a while, she'd like sneak on like a Madonna video or a Janet Jackson video. And then my mom would come home. We'd like turn off the TV and walk run upstairs that was just like me constantly living under the fear of god and under fright and so of course you know like the, i mean so then how did that tra- just to fast forward a little bit how did that translate into your early adulthood so then there is this bible character named gideon and gideon um asked the lord for a sign there was something with like a fleece and a field and water the details are murky so what i did when i was graduating high school and i said god i will only go to college if i get a full ride and like and you I considered had, that a sign. Oh, yeah. And okay. I had good grades, but I was like twen- number 21 in my class. Okay. So like... Public school? Public school, yeah. Okay. Thank God. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to take a moment to thank Jesus for letting me go to public school because I would have been ruined otherwise. Anyway. This interlude is just for the sake of the listeners. You are still a Christian. Yes. When you uh, say thank Jesus, you are being... I'm actually thanking Jesus. Right. I just... Some may not get that. And I want to make sure that... Yeah. And and frankly, if people are offended by people that would be funny about that, I don't particularly care. But I I want people to understand where you are coming from. Yeah, I still... I am a member of a Methodist church on campus, and I play every Sunday. Yes. I I am a church-going... Methodist. And I, also just because I'm, I like talking about myself, that is the same church where I went to preschool. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so, you know, we're all, we're all connected. <laughs> we're all interconnected in this web. But no, I mean, I think I, so I went to public school, blah, 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 got a full ride. That was the beginning of the end of that version of Christianity for me because I went to art school. And what comes along with that is what everybody believes comes along with. Yes, I started. I started. Um, I started learning about Rembrandt, and I started learning about war art. And I started learning about Robert Maplethorpe. But I started like, um, and then I met my first gay friend, and like it was just this crazy world. But I still held on really tight to Jesus. Just to be clear, I mean, how did they take you? They, they took th- me. This is art school for them too, but oh, you have this perception of who goes into art school, and it is someone who is open to the idea of diversity. And not that you weren't open to the idea of diversity, but I think shittily, sometimes those that are open to the idea of diversity see those that they perceive aren't and exclude them. I wasn't excluded on purpose, I was just never included on purpose. Were you othered? Yes. But I othered myself. I mean, I don't truly know the answer to that question because I othered myself a lot. Okay. Like people be like, we're gonna go do this. And I'd be like, I cannot do that. I cannot see a movie. I see what you're saying. I cannot, you know. I wanna take a moment and play a song of yours uh from your two thousand thirteen album. Yeah. Reflecting on your youth yes. and, and where you came from, what's the best Definitely choice? leaving. Leaving, leaving is the best choice yes. for that. All right, yeah. here is leaving with Counterfeit Madison. 
We have covered the show, Counterfeit Madison meets Nina Simona Celebration of Blackness. That show is sold out. However, there will be uh, standing room tickets available at the door on August 13th. I imagine some announcement to that effect or some clarification on that will be available both if you follow Counterfeit Madison on mm-hmm. Facebook and then also uh, on the event page. On the event page, and also which we are linked to in the show notes for this episode. And then also from uh, notes slash copious in the brewery district. What are the other things going on in Columbus that listeners should know about in your sort of circle of creativity and arts and entertainment? So Andy Downing interviewed me and two other people, Jay Carey and Camille Wright, who are heading up a festival on the very same day as my show. Okay. Um, August 13th. August 13th called Soul Dope. It's at the Lincoln Cafe. Right by the Lincoln Theater. Right by the Lincoln Theater. Okay. I have a confession to make because I've been um, holed up learning these Nina Simone songs. Um, How many songs are you doing? Uh, 18. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This, it came down from 26. Are you recording it? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Chip Willis will be taking photography as well. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. You're going to keep your shirt on though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chip Willis is a local photographer. <laughs> uh, I would say primary. I, I don't know if this is the most of his work, but he is primarily known for sensual yeah, photography. For... And it's fantastic work. If we're going to talk about people yeah. who just like really inspire me, like Chip Willis has been huge for me okay he is a former um he's a veteran okay former um pilot jack of all trades you know when you get to that age and you've seen so much i'm right between gen x and gen y so like i'm technically still a millennial okay millennials are scaredy cats we're like always scared of how many likes we get i really looked at people like chip who are just like you know what i take pictures and this is what i want and this is what i want to do right great why did you bring up specifically that andy interviewed you for the festival because i found out about soul dope then what's the article about the role of the black artists in Columbus. How black artists in different ways have responded to what's going on. The okay. climate. Okay. This uh, is the article that already came out, right? No, it's it's going to come out. There's a, there's been a few. Okay. I this came up in a conversation the other night. Like, I appreciate what the Alive is doing. I think it's important what they're doing. It bothers me a little bit that is that all their social activism is through the lens of the music scene. Yeah. Does that bother you? No, it does not bother me because I'm in the music scene and because I think musicians, I, I think we could do more. You could stand to talk about it a little bit more. I think we could do more. It bothers me a little bit that the, I think it's important to tell these stories, but it bothers me a little bit that it's constantly being told through that a music filter. lens, yeah. Um, what bothers me about it, while I think it's great that the music scene is sort of focusing on that, or rather Andy is forcing the music scene to focus on that, I think it almost limits who gives a shit. Ah. Do you know what I mean? That makes sense. That we aren't telling larger stories about those issues. I think that, you know, like when FemFest happened, which was a direct response to Fashion Meets Music Festival hiring R. Kelly as the headliner for the first year, that warrants that sort of piece. That is that is the music community responding to a, a social thing that they thought was fucked up. Uh-huh. But when you do a Black Lives Matter piece that is just about musicians, when you talk about sexual assault in the music scene, not in the bar scene, yeah. that's not big enough. I guess that makes sense. I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. Sure. I think it's easy for musicians 
to hide behind who we really are because we play cool things and we wear cool things and we're on a stage and we look cool. And so I, from personally, I kind of like those stories because it, uh, it forces musicians to really be accountable okay. as social beings. Okay. I feel like if you're going to be a musician, like I feel like it's really important to tell these stories that don't exempt musicians from giving a fuck about anything other than their music. Does that make sense? Sort of. They're sort of bringing up something that is salacious. Certainly not inferring that it only exists within that scene, but it almost paints the scene a yes. little bit. And yes. I, I don't worry about that because I'm not in it. But frankly, as the father of a daughter, and if I was the father of a daughter who was of an age to go to an all-ages show, I would take pause. Yeah. You know, 16 years from now, if that article came out, I would take pause. Yeah. Thank you for entertaining my... This will be known as the section of the episode where I just talk the whole time. No, that's great. I just... When anyone cares about anything, I like that. When people write about what goes down in the music scene as far as sexual assault... I'm just like, you cared. Good. Because right. I just feel like there's so many people who just don't care. And that's fair. Yeah. Let's get back into it. Hi. Uh, let's talk about what else people should be following in Columbus. There's a festival happening called Soul Dope. You should check it out. It's from 11 to 5 at the Lincoln Cafe. What will be happening there? Lots of poetry, lots of music, lots of activism, just a really great community event. Um, Other people don't. No, I want to talk about someone. Sure. Who, do you know Marcus Meacham? I work with Marcus, yeah. Okay. We're talking about people in the arts and entertainment scene that are great. That man has a gift straight from Jesus Christ, Allah, Buddha, Shiva, Poseidon, to make food. And I'm the kind of person who am really inspired by what I eat. I haven't known him for very long, and I don't know him very well, but I've just been watching him just like snowball into this person who's really developed this style of the way he makes food. And I love highly stylized people and you should check out his steam kitchen in the back of a uh, little rock oh bar. my god give me one other thing that people should uh look up and follow my best friend marilyn gleckley is bringing out an album she's releasing an album um locally on august 19th 2016 at care bar and nationally the following month. She has been recently um, added to the NOA Records roster, um, one, the roster that includes um, Connections and St. Lennox. So Mary Lynn has been in the music scene for years. She was part of This Is My Suitcase. We both had similar times where we decided that we wanted to do our own, head up our own projects. Do solo work. And right. she just writes, these heartbreaking pop melodies. It's this really beautiful piano pop. She's just developed and grown into this young woman. And it's really, really beautiful. Having met her, she's the kindest, most unassuming yeah. person you have ever oh, met. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Second thing, I am, to date, the only female singer in the Columbus Gay Men's Chorus. And... It is a. It has been a life-changing experience for me. In September, we start up our new season, and I'm really excited about that. And if you could keep that on your radar. Fantastic. Yeah. I want to close out with one more song. What should we close out with? There's a song that I've not been able to complete 
and practice without crying. Okay. It's a song called Little Girl Blue by Nina Simone. Great. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confluence cast today presented by Columbus Underground. Again, more information on Sharon's show and the other things that we discussed can be found in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, your family, your contacts, even your frenemies. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Again, I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a good week and support local music. Cheer up.